Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, getting you ready for the NFL Draft, which is set to begin April 23rd. That's right. We're just a month away from the NFL Draft. Feels a little different this year. Should be because the NFL Draft, well, it is going to look a little bit different. The venue's changing from the way it sounds with COVID-19. Won't have any fans there it won't be open to the public for the first time that i can remember uh so it's it's going to look a little bit different but we're still going to have the draft and the reason why we continue to put these podcasts together is because look we need we need that distraction we need an outlet uh you know a lot of people are sheltering in place we have a lot of you know as as the the businesses are 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 closing down and and things like that and we want to be able to have these outlets to be able to talk sports so that once we get back to life as we know it uh you know we'll have a a kind of a direction to go with uh with the nfl and uh the nfl draft as well so the nfl draft is is set to take place they are not going to delay the draft there in April. It's just going to look uh, a little bit different in terms of the uh, the venue, what it's going to really look like for the public. So sounds like there may be a, a studio. There won't be any fans, like I said, you know, really, you know, in terms of the social distancing, what, what really is that going to look like? You know, I'm not really sure. I don't think really anybody knows exactly what that's going to look like, but uh, the NFL is going to be pushing on. Uh, The NFL season has started. We've had uh, free agency, a free agent frenzy, if you will. And uh, over the the next few days, I'm going to be putting together uh, a series of podcasts, really taking a look at each of the NFL teams. So we're going to go ahead and go uh, division by division, take a look at the rosters, take a look at some of the um, roster moves that have been made, take a look at where teams are uh, from that standpoint and what those mean for the draft, and then also take a look at who are going to be the best fits for some of those needs. So we're going to start actually in in the NFC East. You know, we have a couple of teams who are, are once again in the top 10 with the Washington Redskins and the New York Giants. And then we'll move from East to West over the course, like I said, of the next few days. want to make sure that we're bringing these podcasts to you. It's going to be a little bit shorter than my normal podcasts. Probably not a bad thing. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and and go through, like I said, each of these these teams. Really want to take a look at what those needs mean, uh, what we're looking at, and how we're going to go ahead and progress from there. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into things. And the Washington Redskins, sitting there at number two, number two overall pick. What has this offseason looked like for them? So in terms of some of the players that they've brought in, um, you know, Ron Rivera in his first season as head coach there for the Washington Redskins. Uh, he's got Jack Del Rio as his defensive coordinator, Scott Turner handling the offense. Uh, up on the offensive line, obviously Trent, Trent Williams is the big name there that is um, still his future is, is up in the air. Uh, Brandon Sheriff is the uh, had the fantasy, I'm sorry, the franchise tag. You look at Cornelius Lucas uh, from the Bears, Wes Schweitzer from from the Falcons, both brought in uh, potentially to man that left side of that offensive line, which was you know, in need of really finding a couple of starters there. Uh, Kevin uh, Pierre Luis uh, brought in as a as a linebacker as well. 
Um, so we've seen some of those moves take place. And, you know, really, you know, what Ron Rivera is looking to do is he wants to put his stamp on this team. And really the biggest question is going to be uh, Dwayne Haskins. You know, what does he have there with Dwayne Haskins? Is he going to be satisfied with Dwayne Haskins? Or are we going to see Washington potentially take Tua uh, Tagovailoa with the number two overall pick? I just, I, I don't see that happening right now. I, I just, I don't. You know, it, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, are we going to see Josh Rosen too? And you hear a lot of people talking about that. And, and it could happen. I, I just don't know that, you know, Rom really wants to go in that direction. You know, the, he's a guy who wants to bring toughness to the, 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 the defense. And adding a guy like Chase Young makes a whole lot of sense. Um, taking a look at some of the guys that they've lost, uh, Josh Norman, uh, the, the veteran corner, uh, was let go. He's now in Buffalo. Case Keenum, backup quarterback, is gone. But they've traded for Kyle Allen, uh, whom Ron uh, Rivera coached there in Carolina. Uh, Eric Flowers, the guard, he's moved on to Miami. Um, reason for Wes Schweitzer are coming aboard. Uh, Michael Burton, the fullback, he's in New Orleans. Colt McCoy, another quarterback, uh, has moved on as well. Um, but you know, when you look at this team, um, not only those other moves that I talked about, you see Ron Rivera bringing in some of the guys that he wants to build his culture around. So, you know, he has Thomas Davis who he, you know, coached in Carolina, uh, coming back and he's going to be one of those linebackers, probably on the interior of that, that, uh, linebacking core, uh, Sean Davis from Pittsburgh, free safety, Kendall Fuller, only 25 years of age. Um, you know, played well in the Super Bowl there for Kansas City. He's going to be there uh, at corner in the secondary. Uh, J.D. McKissick, an interesting player, was a receiver in college at, uh, at Arkansas State. Uh, now more of a running back. Moved on uh, to the Redskins from Detroit. Uh, so there, those those are pretty much the names that you're seeing right now uh, for Washington and. Frankly, you know, in terms of these moves, none of them are real big moves, but you can kind of see, you know, some of the defensive players that he's bringing in, some guys especially that he's familiar with. You know, having Thomas Davis, the veteran presence there on that uh, in that linebacking core, um, already has John Bostic and Cole Holcomb. So you add Thomas Davis in there. Uh, you have Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan. So this is this is the thing. You know, Ryan Anderson's already out there on the um, um, on the linebacking core as well. Um, you know, a couple of moves that we just saw, uh, let's see, Quentin Dunbar, uh, their corner, he's moved on. I traded him to Seattle. That was a recent, uh, transaction that just happened today. And, uh, so when you look at this team, what direction are they going to go? Um, it, it is still possible that they go with, with a quarterback because defensively is their biggest need an edge rusher. You know, I'd argue that, you know, if, if Ryan Kerrigan, you know, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, I think that's really going to be the biggest question because Ryan Kerrigan has been kind of the workhorse for them. 31 years of age, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And when you look at, at, at Ryan Kerrigan, this guy has basically been the heart and soul of the Washington Redskins defense. You know, Kerrigan, let's see, last yeah, in the last year of his five-year, $57.5 million contract. And up until this year with Ryan Kerrigan, 
120 straight games before a concussion kept him out of the lineup. Ultimately, a calf injury sent him onto IR in, in January. Still managed five and a half sacks. But, you know, the, the question that you have there is, is what about the durability? Is he finally starting to break down? Is he going to return to form in 2020? You have Montez Sweat there also on the outside. He had a nice uh, rookie season there with seven sacks. You know, Matt Ioannidis, really not expecting the defensive end to be as productive, but led the way with eight and a half sacks. Uh, Washington actually, you know, 10th in the league in sacks with 46. So you can make an argument that, there isn't a need there, but you know that that comes to that age-old question: Do you draft for need or do you draft for the best player available? Best player available, hands down, is going to be Chase Young. I mean, the six-five, two hundred sixty-five pound defensive end out of Ohio State. You know, there, there's no question when you watch him play. The sixteen and a half sacks, just how explosive he is. Uh, the, the the violence with his his hands coming off the edge. He is a, a special player. You add him to this roster, you know, it's one of those things to where if Ryan Kerrigan can't return to form, then you have a backup plan. And look, if you have Kerrigan, Sweat, and Chase Young, you're going to find a way to have all three of them out there on the field. And that's going to affect the other, you know, the opposition. That's going to affect their um, their passing attack. And, and with Chase Young coming off the edge as well, he's a guy who can play the run. He can set the edge. He's one of those guys who who reads reads the run play and, and puts himself in a position to make a play behind the line of scrimmage. So th- this notion that well, th- there's not a need for for Chase Young when he's the best player available. You know, you, you got to go forward and, and and make that play. You got to take him at uh, at number two overall. So when you look at at Washington, you move on from that. You know, their next pick there in. Um, in round number three, because they don't have a second round pick that was uh, traded to Indianapolis. In round number three, 66 overall, uh, I'm looking at them taking an offensive tackle. You know, we, we talked about them bringing in Cornelius Lucas. And uh, to me, Cornelius Lucas feels like a, a, a swing tackle. I wouldn't say that he's going to be a guy that's going to to have that starting role. You have Morgan Moses at the right tackle position. You know, the question really remains what's going to happen with with Trent Williams. You know, and and are they going to trade him? Is he going to remain on the roster? He's got a new head coach in there in Ron Rivera, so there is a chance that Trent uh Trent Williams is back. Uh, but look, he's in the final year of his five-year, $68 million contract, so you really have to think about life without him. Uh, you know, and, and Lucas just signed a two-year deal worth $3.8 million, uh, so he'll be, after the 2021 season, he'll be a free agent. I think you really have to find your offensive lineman of the future, and I have him taking Matt Pert uh, out of UConn. And, and this is a kid who, you know, he's got tremendous size, tremendous length, 6'7", 318 pounds, 36 and 5'8 inch arms. I ran a 5.06.40 at the Combine. Um, You know, a a guy who, when you talk about flexibility, this is one of the guys that I look at him and he he, he gets so low 
in in his stance and and the way the flexibility his ability to bend for a guy his size you, know, you don't really see his pad level creep up too much there it, you know he is still raw needs to work on his footwork a little bit needs to work on the technique make sure that the hands match the feet but he has a lot of upside the athleticism is off the charts the mirror skills I think you know that's something else that you really see with with Matt Pert. So I thought that that was a nice move for them there in round number three. Now, if you move on for Washington, you go on to round number four, uh, sitting there at number one hundred eight, and uh, and we haven't talked about their their wide receivers, but uh, you know Dwayne Haskins is going to need some some help there at the wide receiver position. Uh, you you have Trey uh, Terry McLaurin, Kelvin Harmon. Trey Quinn as the leading receivers there for this group, but there really isn't any depth behind them uh, to really speak of. So I, I think this is something where if I were Washington sitting there, I have a lot of guys um, who could be possession receivers, especially, you know, Trey Quinn, you know, surprising as the uh, former um, Mr. Irrelevant really showing off his hands, Kelvin Harmon. Um, I think they got late. He was a fifth rounder, Terry McLaurin. You know, so a lot of young guys on this receiving core, they may add a veteran receiver when it's all said and done in free agency. Um, you know, right now, Terry McLaurin is is the, the wide receiver one, um, but I actually have them taking uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. Out of, out of Kentucky. And Lynn Bowden Jr., look, you know, if you haven't seen this kid play, he, he's a receiver, but when injury really hit the quarterback position, he was thrust into playing uh, the quarterback position. And you want to talk about a kid who is just dynamic. You know, you think about guys like Ran- uh, Antoine Randall L. And Lynn Bowden Jr. is a guy that can definitely fall into that category. Uh, you know, you, you look at, at the numbers and, you know, just a hundred, you know, just a little over 1,300 yards receiving in his three years there with the Wildcats, but um, over 1,400 yards on the ground, 13 touchdowns, 7.9 yards per carry as a quarterback. Now his arm, you know, really wasn't anything to speak of, Um, you know, just completed 47.3% of his passes, three touchdowns, just three interceptions, threw for just 403 yards. But this is a kid who, you know, he's a good returner, uh, two punt returns for touchdown back in 2018, Interesting, interesting player. This is a guy that you can run a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different formations for. You know, if you run a wildcat with him, or you bring him in motion, you wonder, you know, is there a threat to throw? You know, he's somebody who you can line up in the backfield and just really adds a lot of adds a different dimension to to the offense. So I, I like Lim Bowden Jr. here, um, and then I actually added another receiver there in round number four for uh, for the Redskins. So the Skins. Actually, uh, pick number 142 overall, one of the compensate, uh, compensatory selections. I went with Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, 6'3", 212 pounds. Uh, the senior, you know, I, I looked at the receiving core and I said, you know what, you know, this is going to be something that could potentially be a, a, pro- you know, a problem for Dwayne Haskins. It, whoever's going to be at the quarterback position when it's all said and done for Ron Rivera you have to have weapons. You have to be able to give them someone to throw the football to. They don't have a bigger receiver, and that's what Brian Edwards is going to bring you. You know, this is a kid, 234 receptions, model of consistency for the Gamecocks, over 3,000 yards receiving, 22 touchdowns, um, 
that made some sense to me. Um, some people have him coming off the board in round number three, others in five. I kind of split the difference. I think he's someone a late, late four, uh, just felt right for Brian Edwards. And I look at the skins. I think that's the right move to make for them. Um, so those are the first four rounds. And that's really what we're going to do throughout this, uh, this series, um, within the podcast is taking a look at the first four rounds really talking about the direction that the teams are going to go. So, you know, I, I think Ron Rivera is going to try to look defense early on, um, and then we'll see him address the offense for for Dwayne Haskins. And then I think, you know, after that, we're probably going to see them look at, at corner, uh, you know, round number five, uh, just looking at the at the cornerback position. You know, there are a lot of guys that are going to be out there. Isang Bassi of, of Wake Forest, the 5'9", 191-pounder, ran a 4'4", at the Combine. You know, a tackling machine out there on the outside. I think you could see him go there. Um, I think that would be a nice fit. Uh, Kendall Vildor potentially playing the nickel there. Uh, 5'10", 191 pounds out of Georgia Southern. Another guy, 4'4", you know, 240, but uh, incredibly strong. You know, 22 reps in the bench press, 39 and a half vertical uh, inch vertical leap. He could always be off the board before uh, before round number five, but if he's still sitting on the board in round five, I think that would be another nice addition there. And then finally, um, Dane Jackson out of Pittsburgh, six foot, 187 pounds. Uh, taller corner ran a four five seven forty, but just a very very productive player. I think when you talk about Dane Jackson, you think about the ball skills and you know the, the pass breakups. Uh, a, a guy who always puts himself in position to make a play, uses his length to his advantage, and uh, yeah, you know back to back seasons with at least ten uh, pass breakups, thirty nine overall in his career, four interceptions uh, to his credit as well, nine tackles for loss. So this is a guy who is very active, uh, kind of a heat seeking missile when it comes to the football. So any one of those guys would make a whole lot of sense for Washington in round number five. So transitioning from the Washington Redskins, we're going to take a look at the New York Football Giants, as Chris Berman likes to call them, and uh, you know Joe Judge. Joe Judge is in as as head coach. Uh, Jason Garrett's going to be his offensive coordinator. Patrick Graham manning the defense. And, you know, when you look at this roster, you look at some of the moves that have been made, and you're really trying to figure out what are they going to do with that fourth overall pick. And, and so... I look at the the roster. They they have made some moves. They needed a corner, and that's one of the, the things that I really talked about um, on my website on the readyforthedraft.com um, mock draft. Was they needed a corner? They needed a number one. They they struggled at times at the cornerback position, especially with uh, Janoris Jenkins leaving midseason uh deandre baker really needed a veteran presence there in the secondary and lo and behold they're able to go ahead and pull off uh getting uh, james bradbury uh the 27 year old coming from carolina uh signed a a three-year 43.5 million dollar contract coming on over they needed to address the uh the the linebacker position as well uh, brought in a pair of, of Green Bay Packers uh, Blake Martinez on the inside a guy who is is a tackling machine uh, and then Kyler Fackrell coming off the edge a guy who can who can put up some sacks uh, so they have a guy who can put some pressure on the quarterback as well uh, you know Levine Toilolo uh, is going to provide some depth at the tight end position uh, Cameron Fleming same thing in terms of the offensive tackle uh, was with Dallas a season ago signed a one year uh, one year deal worth four million. Uh, Colt McCoy going to be the backup 
for Daniel Jones as well. Uh, they just signed uh, Dion Lewis to be a backup for uh, Saquon Barkley. He's going to do much like he did with uh, with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Um, you know, so the the question that that's going to remain. You know, some of the guys that that uh, that took off. Um, you know, the big name is is Mike Remmers. They're on the right side of the football. You know, right tackle. Mike Remmers, you know, the question really is going to be, what are they going to do with that, uh, you know, with the number four overall pick? What's Dave Gettleman going to do? And in my very first mock draft, and usually my gut in my first mock draft seems to actually be a lot more successful than, you know, I, I give myself more time to think about things. I look at free agency and I start overanalyzing things a little bit that's where I, I get into get into a little bit of trouble. So um, try to make things a little bit different this year. When you look at the Giants and you're looking at the number four overall pick, it's going to come down to whether or not they're going to be looking at need. Now the need is the right tackle. And, you know, the best offensive lineman in this draft is Jedrick Wills. Some of the best pass sets that I've seen in this draft came from Jedrick Wills. He's a plug-and-play offensive tackle there out of Alabama. And you can plug him in opposite Nate Solder. You got bookends to protect your investment in Daniel Jones. Also be able to block for Saquon Barkley, your investment. You know, those are your last two first round picks. You know, number six overall pick, and then before that, the number two overall pick. You got to be able to, to protect these guys. You got to make sure that you're solid up front. They could wait until round number two, pick up a guy like Austin Jackson out of USC, kind of one of those fringe first rounders they're at the offensive tackle position is he going to be a first rounder early second you know you'd be able to to pick him up in round number two i believe um it, otherwise you can also trade up into um trade up into uh round number two if you or i'm sorry back into round number one if you wanted to um but i i don't know that you need you would need to make that move um you know, I, I think Austin Jackson, there's Lucas Niang uh, out of TCU, another right tackle, even uh, a, a guy like Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia, the big mammoth uh, offensive tackle, uh, 6'6", 350 pounds. Those guys can be had in round number two. Why am I talking about the offensive line with round number two? Well, when you've got a guy sitting there like Isaiah Simmons, you at least take a look at your roster and say, you know, what can I do with this guy? And I'm looking at like the weak side backer, you've got Lorenzo Carter as as your starter. You look at at free safety, Julian Love right now is is kind of the safety, you know, now that Antoine Bethay, um, he was released. You know, Marcus Golden uh, was another guy that was released on the outside. So I, I you know, someone who can replace Marcus Golden rushing the passer. Uh, Dion Buchanan uh, also gone. He's on the interior of that that linebacking core. Yes, Blake Martin was Martinez was brought in, but uh, you know a guy who could who could fill in as a, as a starter potentially on the inside of that linebacking core. He can play safety. You know you can line up Isaiah Williams really just about anywhere. He's kind of that Swiss Army knife. So if you can land. Isaiah Simmons, <laughs> as a guy who is is one of the top players in this draft, uh, regardless of position, then you know that's a good chance that you're going to see Dave Gettleman make that move and then be able to still get a right tackle uh, in in round number two. Keep an eye on that. 
you know, I want to see, you know, what, uh, if there are any sle- uh, tricks up his sleeve or if we're going to go ahead and go with need and, you know, looking at things, what Dave Gettleman has done, he he's really gone with, with his need, you know, and the guy that he likes, he liked, uh, you know, Daniel Jones was not, you know, unapologetic, went with his guy and he stuck with his guns and he's a guy who likes to build that offensive line. You know, he's, he's really going to look at the trenches and I ultimately think that this pick is going to be an offensive tackle and, and not, uh, Isaiah Simmons, you know, but keep an eye on, on my podcast, or I'm sorry, uh, on my, my mock drafts and listen to my podcast. There's a good chance that things could change. You need a guy who's going to be able to play the, 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 you can almost hear me talking myself into, uh, Isaiah Simmons here because you need a guy who's going to be able to cover the tight end. And, and that's one of the things that the giants, they, you could look at who, who they have in their division alone with, uh, Dallas Goddard and, and Zach, uh, Zach Ertz, both with with Philly, but then some of the other teams that they're playing, you're going to be seeing, you know, Mark Andrews. Um, you're going to see George Kittle. There are a lot of Pro Bowl uh, tight ends, and who's going to cover them? You know, Alec Ogletree, the inside backer, he was let go, and he was the guy that was really you know, tasked with covering those linebackers. So or, I'm sorry, those tight ends. So when you look at this roster right now, who's on that roster? from the linebacker position, who's going to cover those tight ends? You know, you really don't have that. Are you going to bring a safety down to, to line up and cover some of these athletic tight ends? I don't think so. You know, it's not going to happen. You won't be able to, to have that luxury of being able to do that, especially in, in three-plus wide receiver sets. So I, I think Isaiah Simmons may end up being the, the, the pick here. But look, you know, I, I said there was no way that Daniel Jones – uh, should have been the number six overall pick, especially because I thought that Dwayne Haskins was a better quarterback and a better prospect. And he went ahead and picked Daniel Jones anyway. So when you're looking at at need, you're looking at Jedrick Wills, and Jedrick Wills is is the guy who I think is ultimately going to be selected. Uh, but things could change. You know, Mike Remmers, like I said, he's in 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 Kansas City. Um, you know, I I think that has to be priority number one. And uh, if he makes a free agent move, then we know exactly what the, what he's doing there um, with the number four overall pick. You know, could they end up trading back into round one, getting a, a tackle? It's entirely possible, but does he want to really take that risk? I think that's going to be the biggest question mark right now. I have them in round two actually looking at a, at a pass rusher. Tyler Fackrell brought in, but when you lose a guy like, um, you know, Marcus Golden, who double-digit sack man, you're going to need to find some of that, you know, someone to replace that production. I'm looking at Julian Okora out of Notre Dame, 6'4", 252-pound uh, outside linebacker, um, had the the season-ending fibula injury that, that knocked him out, didn't get to, get to compete at the combine. What you're getting with this guy is, is an edge rusher with a lot of length, has a really good explosive burst coming off the ball, uh, but... You know, he's 6'4", 252, uh, 34 and 3 8 inch arms, you know, 27 reps in the bench press as well. So he's got some strength to him. I was actually surprised at just how many reps he put up, um, you know, given, you know, he, he looks looks somewhat lean when you look at him and you figure that he's going to be a an outside linebacker coming off the edge. Uh, very, you know, he, 
very productive um, over the course of his career. Um, you know, 24 tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks, including eight in 2018. And this was a guy who was getting to the quarterback in terms of his pressure rate. Um, you know, wasn't always getting home and actually sacking the quarterback, but he was moving the quarterback off of his mark, being disruptive in the backfield. He and Khalid Kareem, uh, kind of that running mate. And I think you pair him with Kyler Fackrell, you really have two edge rushers coming off, um, putting some pressure on the quarterback. I think that'd be a nice move there on uh, early on day two. Um, you look at day three, I'm sorry, at, at the third round, this is also day two. Uh, they traded away their, their 68th overall selection to the Jets. Um, let's see. So they don't have, I'm actually looking to see if I can find them. Don't have a pick early in round number three, but they do have 99th overall selection, which is a compensatory selection. And we talked about Isaiah Simmons and the number of positions that he could potentially occupy, you know, uh, throughout a given, you know, a given season. And, uh, you know, and really, you know, since we're talking about it and we're going back to Isaiah Simmons, uh, pro football focus actually did a study on the number of, uh, number of, uh, snaps he took at, at, at different positions. So 738 defensive plays. He lined up along the defensive line for 106 of those, 239 in the box, 256 as a slot corner, seven as the boundary corner, and 100, uh, 130 at the deep safety position. So he plays all over the field. I mentioned Julian Love. He's a corner, uh, and right now he's slated as potentially the free safety. So I'm looking at uh, end of round three, they're going to need to find a free safety, and uh, I have them taking Ashton Davis, the athlete out of out of Cal, 6'1", 202. Now, this is a track guy. I was looking forward to seeing what he would run at the combine. Wasn't able to do so, but you know, a guy who's still learning learning the position, um, you know, rather new to football, and uh, a guy who's just continuing to grow and progress as a as an athlete. Um, you know, let, let's see, seven interceptions. He had four interceptions in, in 2018, um, you know, 12 pass breakups, a guy who has that tremendous range over the top, um, you know, uses that speed to his advantage, you know, can cover sideline to sideline on the back end. Um, very reliable tackler coming over the top as well. Um, you just, you know, the, the durability isn't an issue. You know, I, I wouldn't say so. You know, this is something, you know, a guy who did play in 11 games and, uh, you know, was productive. He was a guy that teams really kind of shied away from. You had him and Jalen Hawkins on the back end there uh, for the Cal defense, uh, which was really the strength of that team and really carried them to um, another bowl game. But uh, under Josh Wilcox, I'm sorry, Josh is, is, is Justin's brother, uh, Justin Wilcox. But, uh, you know, I, I think that'd be a nice move for them at the end of round number three. And then you look at the Giants in round number four. You know, they need a receiver. You know, I, I absolutely believe that. They they re-signed Corey Coleman. He's coming back. So you have a speedster on the outside. You have Golden Tate uh, and you have Sterling Shepard. What are, you know, what do you have there? There's, those are three receivers who all look the exact same. They look, they feel, they're, they're, they're really the exact same receiver. You have Darius Slayton. I think what really helped him, you know, he was a vertical threat. You know, I believe fifth rounder, 
you know, you've got a lot of guys who can line up in the slot, but you don't have that big bodied receiver. And I'm looking at Antonio Gandy Golden out of Liberty, 6'4, 223 pounds. This guy, you look at him and he is, I mean, he looks like he's chiseled out of granite. You know, this is a guy who, uh, you know, big, big kid, uh, only ran a 4640, but, you know, put up 22 reps in the bench press, you know, 36 inch vertical leap. Um, you know, and, and still had a 127 inch broad jump, which was among the, uh, the farthest there among the, the receivers. So he has some twitchiness to him. Uh, definitely a, a leaper, a guy who's going to go up and get the football. That's really part of what Gandy Golden is known for. Um, an incredible catch radius. You know, you just put the ball anywhere near him and he's going to be able to, to pluck it out of the air with, uh, with his hands, you know, very soft hands, very reliable receiver in his two seasons there with the Flames, uh, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, including this past year, um, you know, really upped his his game, 79 receptions, just under 1,400 yards, 17.7 yards per reception and 10 touchdowns. Uh, you know, model of consistency. You know, this is a guy who, like I said, ran a 4 6 He's not going to burn past you, but this is a guy who's going to win late. You know, he's also a guy who has a flair for the acrobatic, adjusts very well to the football. He's going to be a red zone nightmare as well. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at him, you know, when you have a guy like Evan Engram at tight end, um, you know, they brought in Levine Toilolo, who's more of a blocking tight end. You know, this is one of those bigger receivers who he can line up in the slot and really kind of act as one of those uh, receiving tight ends, if you will. You know, matchup nightmares. Who's going to cover him? You know, are you going to play a safety over him? Really can't do that. You know, is he going to be, you know, some of those physical corners on the outside? He's bigger than those guys. So I think he can generate the the matchup that Tate, Shepard, um, Coleman and really even Darius Slayton because Slayton's more of a, a finesse vertical receiver. Those guys aren't going to be able to present the same matchup that Antonio Gandy Golden is going to. Um, so I think that would be a nice fit for the Giants there in round number four. So transitioning from the Giants to the Dallas Cowboys. So in terms of the first round, you know, number 17 overall. And when you're talking about Dallas, there there are a few different directions that they can go, right? And you know, no question, you know, end of the J- J- Jason Garrett era, you know, eight and eight season, failing to make the playoffs for the sixth time in nine years. Mike McCarthy takes over, and you know, Mike McCarthy at the helm. He's got Kellen Moore that's coming in as his offensive coordinator. Uh, Mike Nolan's going to be his defensive coordinator. So it's going to be, um, you know, I'm really excited to see what happens here. Uh, some continuity on the offensive side of the football. And, and look, I, I think Dak Prescott is, you know, the franchise tag was used there for him. They brought in uh, Amari Cooper. I'm sorry, they, they, they re-signed Amari Cooper um, to a four-year, $100 million deal. So they have him on the roster, uh, have him locked up. They Unfortunately, though, were not able to re-sign uh, Byron Jones as a result. So you lose the corner. You know that that's going to be a direction that you're going to be focused uh, focused on for sure. You're also going to want to find a, a replacement for Robert Quinn rushing the passer um, because he left, went to the Bears in free agency as well. So that's another move that they're going to have to uh, have to make at some point. They bring in Gerald McCoy, um, who's really 
listed as a defensive end, but in Carolina, he was mostly a defensive tackle. That's where he played in Tampa, uh, a three technique. I think that's really what you're going to be seeing there with Gerald McCoy, although yeah, Mike Nolan running a 3-4, he'll probably end up as a, as a defensive end in a, in a 34 defense. You know, I think he'd be a nice five technique. Um, ha-ha Clinton Dix, they needed a safety. And uh, enter ha-ha Clinton Dix. He'll line up with uh, Xavier Jones, especially now that Jeff uh, Heath has moved on. Let's see. Um, you're going to need to find a you know a receiver to replace Randall Cobb. You're going to need to find a defensive tackle to replace Malik Collins there up front. He went on to the Raiders, as did uh, you know Jason Witten. Jeff Heath also also went there. You know, so a lot of players that uh, you were know, key pieces that have moved on. Um, so I, I think that's going to make things interesting to see where Dallas goes with this first pick. And, and uh, really, I think it's going to be coming down to one of two players that they're going to be replacing. Do you want to go corner and replace uh, Byron Jones? Or are you going to go edge rusher and replace Robert Quinn? You know, and there, there's not really a, a right or wrong answer there. Um, there's really a need at both. They brought back Anthony Brown as a corner, uh, Chidobi Awuzie, uh, Jordan Lewis. Those are the top returning corners, um, and they're talented guys, but they don't have a true number one corner. Um, C.J. Henderson would be a guy that I would keep an eye out for. It's a little too early for Trevin Diggs or, or uh, Christian Fulton at this point. I think if they were looking for them, they'd probably be looking to try to trade down. Um CJ Henderson, I just don't see him being coming um, being available. I think he comes off the board before number seventeen. I'm actually looking for him uh, with the Jets, especially with the fact that you know Tremaine Johnson's gone, Daryl uh, Roberts is gone. They need to to address that cornerback position in a in a major way. So I'm looking at CJ Henderson there for the Jets. So with him off the board, I think the focus really has to turn to. The pass rush. You've got Demarcus Lawrence. Um, after him, you have uh, Dorrance Armstrong, Joe Jackson at the defensive end position, and, and you know that really gives you cause for concern. You know the linebacker linebacking core. Sean Lee brought back uh, teaming with with Jalen Smith, and then Leighton Vander Esch coming off the neck injury. His health is going to be a concern there as well. But you know, really, it's going to be up front. Who's going to be the guy that's going to be really putting the pressure on the on the quarterback? I'm looking at Kalevin Chasen out of LSU, 6'5", 250 pounds, a guy who look he had 13 and a half tackles for loss, just six and a half sacks. You know, makes me have flashbacks of uh, Barkevius Mingo because you know their their body types are are similar. What I look at with Clavin Chase on is is the explosiveness coming off the edge. This is a guy who you know, first step quickness, you know, able to really engage the offensive line coming off offensive lineman coming off the ball, uh, plays with excellent leverage. You know, the speed to power is absolutely there, able to drive guys into the backfield um, with some power. Um, you know, I look you know looking at my notes, um, you know, the, the flexibility, the dip. You know, of his inside shoulder to get underneath the offensive tackle's pad level. You, you definitely see that. Wins with his hands, slapping the offensive tackle's hands away and then ripping through them before flattening out and chasing after the quarterback. Spin moves very compact and quick. Changes it direction in a hurry without any wasted movement. 
now he does tend to let the offensive tackles attack his body. Uh, that's going to end up making it difficult for him to, to disengage because he's he's one of those lean um, edge rushers. But look, when he gets his hands on the tackle first, he's able to convert, like I said, the speed to power, driving the offensive tackle back, has a really impressive long arm. I mean, if you watch him, he will get that, that long arm into the offensive tackle's pad level, drive him back, and then be able to use his hands to get off the block and, uh, and get to the quarterback. Um, so even if he's not getting too... Uh, the quarterback, he's making making plays. He's really, um, you know, affecting the quarterback in the backfield. You know, when LSU faced off against Georgia in the SEC championship, Chase on you know matched up against Andrew Thomas, you know, who's also known as basically a top fifteen pick. Some people would argue that he's a, a top ten pick. Uh, you know, he won with this explosiveness. Chason did. You know, uh, on one play, uh, started up field, got Thomas leaning, then spin back inside, pulled this up and under. Very nice move. Low center of gravity, got to Jake Fromm. And then on another play, used his speed coming off the edge to beat Thomas. Um, you know, he wasn't able to get get his hands on, on Chason as he got into the backfield. Uh, when he let Thomas engage him and get his hands on him, he get easily driven away from the pocket. So that's really what he has to work on. But his nonstop motor, relentless ability in pursuit of the football, ball very active as an edge rusher had 60 tackles this past season um, knows how to get to you know to locate the football um you know and and the slender frame does uh, keep him from from getting off blocks at times you know he'll lose contain at times in the running game but he has a speed to chase running backs down so if you want to find a um a game plan for for beating clave and chase on run at him you know, if you run away from him, he's going to find a way to, to to work down the line and get to the football. I think if he's on the board at 17, and look, it's a big if. If Atlanta ends up going, um, you know, uh, Javon Kinlaw there, then uh, Chase on, you know, it would be available. But if Atlanta ends up going with Chase on, then, uh, you know, Dallas, could they go A.J. Epinesa here? It's entirely possible. Maybe we end up sh- shifting gears and actually looking at a corner. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And right now I have uh, Javon Kinlaw sitting there at number 16, but this is a guy who's been so explosive, and there is a drop-off after Javon Kinlaw. When you look at these draft classes and when you have such a, a discrepancy at the, the top of the draft, you, know, you, you saw that with the receiving core with uh, – you know, the draft where Corey Davis and Mike Williams and Josh John Ross were all drafted in the top 10. There was a huge drop-off at the receiver position after the three of them. I think the offensive tackle position, one of the reasons why we're talking about them, you know, you have Jedrick Wills, you have Tristan Wirfs, you have Mekhi Becton, and you have uh, Andrew Thomas, and then there's a drop-off after them. Same goes for that defensive tackle position. You have Derek Brown out of Auburn, who could potentially be a top-five pick. Javon Kinlaw, you know, arguably, you know, top-15 guy. There's a big drop-off after that. So I'm looking at if Isaiah Simmons goes number four overall to the Giants, then I think at number seven, Carolina, where I have Isaiah Simmons going right now, uh, really put that and build that defense around him, much like they did with with Luke Keekley. I think you could end up seeing instead Carolina going with with Derek Brown. I have Brown going to the Jaguars right now. They're still going to need a defensive tackle because Marcel Darius was a, a cap casualty um, they're going to still need a defensive tackle. So there's a chance that if Brown goes to the Panthers at number seven, 
then Kinlaw goes to the Jags at number nine. I think it's definitely a, a possibility that we could see that happen. And, and if that does happen, then I think Chason's off the board. So we're going to have to take a look at this, like I said, over the next couple of weeks and, and really make the final call on what is going to happen with Isaiah Simmons. Is Gettleman going to get his right tackle and really you know, assuredly nail the offensive tackle position? Or is he going to go with the best player available and go Isaiah Simmons? You know, It remains to be seen. So... You know, getting back to the to the Cowboys though, uh, and and round number two for them, um, you know, as I mentioned, they need a corner. So if they're able to address the pass rush in round number one, then I'm looking at them taking a corner in round number two. And you know, Cam Dantzler had a chance to be a first rounder. You know, and and really didn't get a chance to you know, run a, a faster forty time with you know the COVID nineteen and everything at the combine. Uh, ran a four six four forty. You know, for a guy who's six two and one hundred eighty seven pounds, um, that's you know, I, I, it's just not going to cut it. So I, I think that's why his draft stock is going to fall. But this is a guy who has tremendous ball skills. Look, when you have a guy like like T Buck Terrell Buckley as your position coach, and Terrell Buckley played in the league a long time, he knows good cornerback play when he sees it. And Cam Dantzler is is a guy who can definitely play on the outside. Um, you know, 6'2", 187, like I said, and uh, 20 pass breakups in his career, including 17 over the last two seasons. Uh, you know, a guy who has tremendous ball skills. You worry about him getting um, overpowered by some of the more physical receivers down the field. But, uh, you know, he uses his length to his advantage, and you need those long corners. And, and really, that's what Dallas is looking for. I think if you can get him in round number two, and, and Dallas – is selecting at uh, number 51, I think that'd be a nice uh, nice spot for Cam Dantzler uh, to come off the board. I think Dallas would be happy getting a, a corner there uh, at the beginning of day number two. So you transition looking at uh, at the third round and mention that, uh, you know, the safety position. You have Xavier Jones. You have HaHa Clinton Dix. I still think they're going to need, you know, another another safety. And I'm looking at Kyle Duggar uh, out of Lenore Rhine. And, and this is a, a small school kid, but a guy who's absolutely proven, especially at the, um, especially at the, the, the senior bowl that he absolutely belongs. You know, a guy, 6'1", 217 pounds, ran a 4'4", 940, a 42-inch vertical leap, really set the combine on fire. You know, the athleticism was off the charts. And this is going to be a guy who I think you really have to keep an eye on uh, throughout the draft. You know, he and Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois, the two uh, underclassmen at the safety position who are, are turning heads, really guys that... You're looking at saying, these are the guys that I want to keep an eye on. The ball skills are evident. You know, he, he arrives. He's a physical hitter, a physical presence. And uh, I'm, I'm certainly excited to see what, um, what Kyle Duggar is going to bring uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, let's see. You know, when you look at him, you know, he played in just seven games in 2019, but uh, 10 interceptions in his career, 36 pass breakups, six fumble recoveries, six... Um, Let's see. 
six force fumbles as well. Uh, Kyle Duggar to me, you know, plays all over the field. And uh, I think you add him to the mix and you really have solidified that that's secondary. If you're able to address it, address a corner, get another safety. I think you're feeling a lot better about your secondary, which at times uh, was porous against some of the passing attacks. And you've gone defense with the first three picks. So I'm looking at the receiver position in, in round number four. And with Dallas, at, you know, their receivers, yes, they have Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is a nice number two. Could have been a number one had Amari Cooper left, you know, over a 1,000-yard receiver a season ago. You know, there's Cedric Wilson, uh, Devin Smith. You know, uh, these guys, you know, really need to step up. But I'm looking at, at this defense, and I want to see a big physical presence. Um, and so I'm looking at Cole, uh, I'm sorry, Colin Johnson, you know, number 123 overall, Colin Johnson, 6'6", 222 pounds out of Texas, the big bodied wideout. You know, this is a guy who really burst on the scene against USC, um, had a huge game against them as a sophomore. And then the production just really dropped off after that. You know, you're really waiting for him to have that breakout, uh, breakout season. You know, and in 2018, had 68 uh, receptions, 985 yards, seven touchdowns, battled injuries in 2019, just played in seven games, still uh, you know, 38 catches, 559 yards, three touchdowns, a guy who has a really large center of gravity. You worry about him with the separation. That's really the biggest thing. Wasn't able to compete at the combine in terms of the, the 40. Um, so you really wanted to see just how fast he was, you know, is he going to be a guy who can separate vertically? I think what he does do really well is he adjusts to the football, comes back to the ball, attacks the football in the air. Um, a guy who, you know, isn't afraid to go over the middle. He can lay out for a football as well. Um, pretty good hands, although he has had some, uh, some easy drops in his career. Um, you know, I think looking at him as a, as a fourth rounder, um, I, I think he'll be there when Dallas selects. And if you add him, that's a physical presence to the receiver position. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then finally, the Philadelphia Eagles. Look, the Eagles, um, you know, in this this group, they wound up winning the NFC East, made the wild card uh, appearance, uh, did so with just nine wins. Would not cut it in most years, but look, you know, Doug Peterson uh, needs to put a premium on weapons for Carson Wentz, who when healthy has proven he can play at a, uh, at a high level. But in 2019, the top three receiving threats in Philly were the two tight ends, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and then the running back, Miles Sanders, who had a great rookie season. Um, you know, Wentz was also without uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar for the final four games of the season due to injury. Uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey's coming off the, the Liz Frank surgery in December. Um, he's still under contract through 2021. There's a, a sense that, that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside may be his eventual replacement, though J.J. rather quiet rookie season with just 10 receptions. Uh, Deshaun Jackson hasn't played a full season since 2013 and Nelson Aguilar has left for the Raiders. You know, he didn't really showcase reliable enough hands to be counted on. So that's why they were able to let him go. They need a receiver who can stretch defenses. And I'm looking uh, really at Justin Jefferson uh, out of LSU. 6'1", 202, very savvy receiver. A guy who just, you know, he does a good job adjusting his routes to, to really what the defense is giving him. 
um, and really an explosive receiver. Yes, he, he was playing in Joe Brady's offense, but uh, the, the talent was absolutely there as well. Led the FBS with 111 receptions, uh, 1,540 receiving yards and 18 touchdowns. Both finished second in the country. Eight 100-yard receiving games, scored a touchdown in 11 of 15 games including four multi-touchdown games, recorded at least five receptions in 13 of the 15 games as well, uh, had two games with double-digit receptions. So even though you had Jamar Chase, who was the, the flashy receiver, this was a guy who was a model of consistency, a guy who just knew how to get open, had a variety of moves to to get a quick release off the line. Good job stacking the corner on the vertical routes, tracks the ball well over his shoulder, extends the, um, for the football, thrown out in front of him as well. Uh, like I said, very savvy route runner, setting up his man, selling his fakes, quickly snapping off his routes, sinking his hips, being very fluid in and out of the breaks to create separation. Tremendous catch radius as well, using those 33-inch arms uh, you know, to extend for the football. Very soft hands, plucks the ball out of the air easily. Uh, very smooth, smooth receiver. And when I look at the Eagles in that that receiving core, like I said, with Carson Wentz, you got to have that receiver, a reliable guy. And, uh, you know, to me, he has a chance to be the wide receiver one. Um, you know, he was kind of a, you know, 1A there at LSU. I guess, you know, if Chase was 1A, he was 1B, and it could be vice versa. Um, I'm looking at this team, Deshaun Jackson, you know, his days are numbered just because he can't stay healthy. Alshon Jeffrey, kind of the same thing. You know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has to step up uh, to show that he can ultimately replace Jeffrey. Um, you know, Greg Ward Jr. down the stretch was was one of their leading receivers. You know, they just have to get better at the skill position, you know, namely the receiver position, and that's going to be, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson. So I, I think when you look at the Eagles, um, you know, and if I back up real quick, you know, and we look at the roster itself and some of the moves that, that Philly has made, um, you know, you're going to see – my computer if I can get this going um, you know when you look at, at, at free agency with them you know, not a ton of moves were made um, you know Halapulivati uh, Hala, uh, Vitae um, you know their, their swing tackle there he, he left for Detroit sounds like he's probably going to play guard there um, Malcolm Jenkins the safety moved on to New Orleans Jordan Howard, your your running back, especially with the way that Miles Sanders played, he knew his days were numbered. He moved to Miami, as did uh, you know, uh, Kamu uh, Grazier Hill, uh, the linebacker. He moved on to Miami. Uh, mentioned Nelson Aguilar, Will Parks, uh, you know the safety. It was brought in from Denver. Uh, Jatavis Brown brought in from from the Chargers to play inside backer, and then uh, Javon Hargrave. You know, the, the big defensive tackle, that was the big get. You know, 13, uh, three years, $39 million, and you're going to line him next to Fletcher Cox. You know, when you're talking about that defensive front, my goodness. You know, you've got the two of them in the middle. Javaron Hargrave can really hold the point of attack. Then you've got Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham rushing the quarterback. Josh Sweat also uh, showing that he can get to the quarterback a little bit as well. Um, I think, you know, there's a need at the linebacker position right now. You've got Alex Singleton, TJ Edwards, uh, Duke Riley as, as some of the linebackers there under contract um not really you know really striking fear in uh opposing offenses um 
you know, so I, I think that's going to be some, you know, a move, you know, Jannard Avery's also on, on the, the roster. He could potentially be a defensive end, could be a potentially a, a linebacker. Then you look at the secondary, they traded for Darius Slay. You know, I kind of saved that one. Um, you know, Ronald Darby, you know, is, is leaving in free agency. They needed to get a number one corner and Darius Slay absolutely made sense. They get the pro bowler out of, out of, uh, Detroit, um, teaming up with Avante Maddox, Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas. I, I think that a cornerback position looks a lot, uh, a lot better now that you add Darius Slay to the roster. Uh, Jalen Mills, um, was brought in at strong safety. Rodney McLeod re-signed uh, to play the free safety. And then you have Will, William Parks coming in as well, um, really kind of solidifying that safety group, especially with uh, Malcolm Jenkins moving on. So Philly, what are they going to be doing in round number two? I'm actually looking at the at the guard position. You know, they have Isaac Samalo at at left guard, but I'm looking more at the right guard position. Brandon Brooks. Is a guy who, when healthy, is is a pretty darn good guard, but I still worry about him with with that Achilles injury. And yes, he's signed through through twenty twenty five. Just signed a four year deal, fifty six point three million dollars. Um, but I worry about the depth up front. You know, I, I really look at that. And um, Isaac Somalo is signed through twenty twenty two. So the the, the depth you know, at the position is virtually non-existent. I'm looking at Natane Muti at a Fresno state, you know, this could potentially change. They could potentially look at a, at a, a linebacker here. And that's something that I'm going to be looking at with my, uh, with my mocks. I could potentially look at, at a linebacker, um, you know, Terrell Lewis, um, is more of a 34 outside linebacker putting pressure on the quarterback, but he's somebody that they could potentially take a look at there in round number two if Philly ultimately decides uh, to look for a linebacker in round three. Um, you know, that's going to be an option for them. You know, and I do have them taking a linebacker in round three. Um, but, you know, I think Natane Muti is going to pr- provide some some real uh, physicality to that defense, to that offensive line. Um, Brandon Brooks, like I said, you know, he's, you know, he's 30 years of age, signed through 2024, but I just, I worry about his health. You know, I'm a, a recovering, uh, Achilles injury. Um, you know, I, I uh, my, myself, you know, I, I've had to deal with that. And, uh, it's one of those to where you lose a step. And I, I worry about that for Brandon Brooks. Um, is he going to be able to really bounce back from that? And, uh, you know, he's fully healthy. You know, he went through his rehab around the same time that I did myself as well. Um, but I think Muti, you know, 44 reps in the bench press, you know, the biggest thing for him is honestly, can he stay, stay healthy? You know, and you look at the, the ACL tears that he's had. Um, but look, you know, big physical guy, 6'3", 315 pounds, 44 reps in the bench press, uh, a guy who's just a mover, you know, he's a people mover. He's a, he's nasty. He looks to finish you. He's going to maul you to death. Um, so I, I think you put him on that line really solidifies the interior of that offensive line. So Philly is not going to be done. Um, let's see. In round number three, mentioned that they, they were going to be taking a linebacker. But first, before they do that, I actually, if I can find them here. Let's see. Philly. Hmm. 
number three. So the 85th overall selection, um, it was traded to Detroit. So they don't have that pick any longer. So they actually look at the 100, uh, 103rd overall selection. And I have them taking Logan Wilson out of, out of Wyoming. 6'2", 241 pounds. Tremendous athlete at the linebacker position. I think he played both outside and inside. He's really the linebacker that nobody's talking about. And I think he's going to get drafted a lot higher than people expect. Ran a 4'6", 340 at the Combine. Put up 21 reps in the bench press as well. And this is a guy who's just a he, – he, he's a volume tackler, um, but he's much more than that. He's not just going to be somebody who's who's looking to make plays, um, you know, tackling um, the ball carrier in the open field. Um, you know, yes, he has 409 uh, tackles, but he also makes plays behind the line. 34 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, 10 interceptions. So he knows how to drop into coverage, puts himself in a position to make a play, trusts his eyes, and, you know, there's no wasted movement. Uh, 14 pass breakups, five forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries. Uh, look, you know, I, I mentioned those 10 interceptions. Two of those were returned for touchdown. So this is a guy who is a playmaker at the linebacker position. And look, I think he can start right away. He's he's talented. Uh, you know, you can play him inside, have him battle TJ Edwards, who was an undrafted free agent a season ago coming out of Wisconsin. You can play him at the outside uh, linebacker position. I think Logan Wilson can start for them right away. And I think that's going to be what's really going to be interesting uh, to see if they can bring a guy like him in, what he would do for that linebacking core and really where they would where they would line him up. So Philly after that I'm looking at let's see um I've got them taking Jake Fromm in round number 4. They need a quarterback and really you know I I'm looking at Nate you know Nate Sudfeld is brought in as or was re-signed. He's going to be the backup right now for Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz hasn't proven he can stay healthy. And I think what you need is a, a young quarterback. Jake Fromm could be that guy, 6'2", 219 pounds out of Georgia. You know, we know that he doesn't have the big arm, but you know, a veteran leader, a, a guy who I think could play behind Carson Wentz, and uh, you know, very intelligent quarterback knows where to go with the football. I think that makes a ton of sense um, for me. You know, you put him there in in round number four, and then let's see, who else do we have? Uh, I've got got them taking another another safety in round four. Uh, I'm looking at a Loey Gilman at a at a uh, at a Notre Dame. You know, he's kind of stiff in coverage, but he's just, he's an intelligent player. Um, you know, transfer from Navy, really a guy who trusts his eyes, comes downhill, makes a lot of plays. Um, you know, had 94 tackles as a, as a junior in his first season there with the Irish after transferring from Navy. Um, you know, and just really a heady, heady player, you know, really an intelligent player there. And uh, I think that's going to be a nice move for, for Philly. Get another safety in there uh, to compete with with McLeod and uh, Jalen Mills at, at the safety position. So that's really what I'm looking at for the NFC East. You know, next time we're going to go ahead and take a look at uh, the AFC East. We're going to go ahead and see what uh, what happens with the New England Patriots without Tom Brady, life without TB12, um, you know, the Buffalo Bills. What can they do to really build upon, uh, you know, a 
a season that really saw them finally get over the hump and get back to the playoffs. Uh, Miami, you know, tank for Tua. Um, you know, it looks really good. You know, they'll be able to get Tua uh, a lot of draft picks early on. I think they can really do a lot to, to rebuild that team uh, for, for Brian Flores and company. And then the Jets. You know, what's going to happen with the Jets there? They're sitting at number 11 overall. They need to find some weapons for uh, Sam Darnold, but they also need to do a better job protecting him. What is Joe Douglas the GM done to really improve that offensive line. He's been busy in this offseason. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at the AFC East. I'm going to go ahead and get another podcast together here in the next day or two. And uh, stay tuned for more from readyforthedraft.com and Ready for the Draft podcast. I told you we're going to be sending these podcasts to you fast and furious from here on out. So every every few days expect to see a podcast from me. Hope you've enjoyed the content thus far. And uh, we'll go ahead and bring another one to you, like I said, in in a couple of days. So be safe out there, everyone. Be healthy. Uh, Use that hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. And, uh, you know, take care of that social distancing. You know, we don't want COVID-19 spreading any any further. Um, You know, want everyone to be safe, be healthy, and uh, enjoy your weeks, everyone. And uh, until next time, this has been Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com and the Ready for the Draft podcast. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.